2008 has been a year in which this generation have experienced firsthand at least what it means to have financial insecurity. We've been brought up on this concept of financial security, 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 the word is bandied about. And then in 2008, we saw solid rock institutions, 160-year-old financial institutions with $60 billion in assets went up in the smoke overnight. Banks that we thought were safe, many of them went under, and some people lost their uninsured deposits. In fact, someone said that there's no such thing as financial security. I was reading not long ago, the AP, the Associated Press, had a story of a Chinese who was so afraid of what's going on with the banking and all the news that was coming around the world at that time, so he took his cash and literally buried it in his backyard, only to go back a few weeks ago to find it all rotted and is worthless. In the midst of all of this, when people are asking, where shall I put my most prized possessions? Where is a secure place in which I can deposit my securities? Where is a truly safe and secure place? Today you're going to find out where is safest security deposit box in the universe. Before I get there, you've got to understand that whether you really know it or not, and whether you would even agree or not, and whether you acknowledge it or not, your most treasured possession is your soul, not the few dollars that God put in your hands. And where you deposit that most prized possession will make all the difference in the world, and will mean all the difference between living in peace or living in internal war. Whether you live securely or insecure, whether you live confidently or not, and whether you're going to live joyfully or not, whether you're going to live a serene life or a tortured life. And our Lord Jesus Christ knew where that safest deposit place was. And when the time came to deposit His soul, He deposited it in the hands of His Father. You know, when David prayed that psalm, Psalm 23. It's a beloved psalm. We all love it. Many of us memorize it as children. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. He understood that his total security is in the hand of the Lord. Physically, he was confident that the Lord will meet all of his needs. Emotionally, he trusted the Lord to give him peace. Uh, Spiritually, he rested in God's power of restitution. Morally, he knew that God is the one who's going to guide him as the guidance is needed. In a time of crisis, God is going to give him hope. Eternally, he was assured of a place in heaven. In fact, I want to give you a Yusuf interpretation. If you want an interpretation of Psalm 23, here it is. Are you ready for it? If you don't have something, it's either because you don't need it or you shouldn't have it. That's what the psalmist is saying. And the sixth statement from the cross is a prayer that children have prayed really for hundreds of years and has its origin in the Bible. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, 
I pray the Lord my soul to take. In fact, this prayer is profound in its simplicity because it indicates our willingness to deposit the most precious thing, the most prized possession in the safest deposit place of all. And this sixth statement from the cross is an example of the Lord's confidence in the hands of His Father. In fact, it is a prayer that most Jewish children have prayed growing up from infancy. Lord, into Your hands I commit. Actually, literally, the word means into Your hand I deposit my soul. I'm going to explain that to you in a minute. In fact, I was delighted to learn that this sixth statement from the cross is used, was used by a lot of people for the last 2,000 years. Many of the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, before they closed their eyes in death and went to be in the presence of the Lord, they prayed this prayer. Christopher Columbus, before he died, he prayed this prayer, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. Martin Luther, the great reformer, Before he died, to be in the presence of the Lord, he prayed this prayer, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Sir Thomas More, who was beheaded by King Henry VIII, his last words were, Into thy hands I commit my spirit. Countless believers throughout generations have prayed this prayer before they found themselves to be face to face with the Lord Jesus. And so please turn with me, if you haven't already, Luke 23, beginning at verse 44. And while you're at it, got the Bibles there, go ahead and turn to Psalm 31. In order to understand what that statement means and the power and the impact of that statement, you have to place yourself at that time at the foot of the cross. And if you examine this statement very closely, if you Look at that particular moment that led our Lord to cry with a loud voice and make this sixth statement from the cross. If you look carefully at that cry, you will soon conclude that it was not a cry of defeat, but it was a cry of victory, that this was not a cry of being conquered by death, but conquering death, that it was not a cry of a victim of circumstances, but someone who's in control of his circumstances. Luke tells us the second last word from the cross was cried out in a loud voice. It is of vital importance that you understand this. This is really significant. There is a very good reason why this was a loud voice. For those who have stood in front of the cross, many of them yelled with a loud voice. They jeered him. They reviled him. They taunted him. They thrust their tongue in mockery of him. For those who cried out in a loud voice, saying, He saved others, but he can't save himself. For them, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It was loud enough so that the angels in heaven would hear it. It was loud enough so that the demons below may heed it. It was loud enough so that the crowd may take note of it. In fact, those who studied the torture of the crucifixion, they tell us that normally a crucified person 
takes about 48 hours, think about this, 48 hours hanging on that cross before they die. 48 hours. And then when they die, they die in a whimper. Not with a loud voice. They die in a whimper. But the uniqueness of our Lord's death is that He died only in six hours, not 48. And then when He died, He dismissed His spirit as a commander dismisses a servant who's standing before Him out of His presence. He was in control of it until the last second. Not only that he died in six hours, not 48, but he died not with a whimper, but with a loud cry, with a loud voice. Some medical scientists interpreted this cry in a loud voice as a result of a heart ruptured or breaking. But we know biblically that Christ died with a cry of a conquering hero. He cried the cry of a victor in the battle. He cried the cry of the overcomer. He cried the cry of triumph. So much so that this pagan Roman centurion, who have witnessed and saw hundreds of these crucifixions, he saw hundreds of people hanging in that cross for 48 hours. He saw hundreds of them die with a whimper. But then he saw the Lord Jesus Christ die with a cry of victory, and he said, surely this is a righteous man. That's all he could do, I guess. But it's not bad. He did not know that he was God the Son. He said he was a righteous man. Now I want you to look at the cry itself. You see, our Lord Jesus died with a cry of victory on his lips. There was a criminal on his side who died with a curse on his lips. But when our Lord Jesus Christ died, he died with a prayer from Psalm 31 on his lips. Now you can turn to that psalm, because that is the psalm that our Lord was quoting in the sixth statement from the cross. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear toward me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, guide me. Free me from the traps that are set before me, for you are my refuge. Look at verse 5 and underline it in your Bible until you make a hole in that paper. In your hands I commit my spirit. Remember me, O Lord, the God of truth. Now, beloved, you must never forget that every one of those seven statements from the cross— either a fulfillment of the, an Old Testament prophecy, or it is a foreshadowing of the cross in the New Testament. I want to show you now very clearly in each one of them. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing, it was the fulfillment of Isaiah 53:12. He made intercession for His transgressors. And then he looked over, and there was a penitent criminal dying on the cross next to him. And he gave him an assurance of his salvation. He said, today you shall be with me in paradise. This was the fulfillment of Matthew 1, 21. 
and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. And when he looked at his mother and said, Woman, behold your son, it was a fulfillment of the prophecy made by Simeon to Mary in Luke 2.34. Then when he cried out in the darkness of midnight that overcame the brightness of noontime, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was a direct fulfillment of Psalm 22 verse 1. When he cried, I thirst, it was a direct fulfillment of Psalm 69, 21. In my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. You see, in God's supernatural sovereign foreknowledge, he made sure that every detail of the cross was spelled out to us before it took place. You say, why is that? Why all these details are given ahead of time? Simply because that we be sure, because God knew there are going to be some smart aleck in the 21st century filling the universities and teaching in dead cemeteries, I mean seminaries, it's the same thing. (laughs) He knew that there are going to be people who are going to come and say, the crucifixion is just a misfortune of fate. No, it is not. No, in a million, no. He wanted us to be absolutely sure that that crucifixion is not a misfortune of fate. It is not a waste of a life. It is not a surrender to martyrdom. It is not the unfortunate end to a good life. No, and a million knows. Jesus was the only one born of a woman for the sole purpose of dying, for you and for me. And so when he cried in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I deposit my spirit. It is a scriptural prayer that every faithful Jew prayed at the end of the day. Parents, I want to take just literally 30 seconds to tell you something of uttermost importance. What you teach your children to pray in their infancy and in their childhood will remain with them into their adulthood. Watching you and how you pray and how you communicate and intimacy with the Father will impact them far more than any words you can speak. And you notice I keep saying, deposit, deposit. I know some of your translations says commit. Another translation said commend. But there's a reason why I use the word deposit. Because the word literally means, and it's used when you go and leave something somewhere and walk away from it, knowing absolutely full will, confident, assured, trusting that when you come back, it will be there intact. That's what the word means. When Jesus cried this cry and said, into your hands I commit, I deposit my spirit. Where were his hands? They were fastened to that rugged wood of the cross. His hands were not free. It was the hands of wicked men, hands of evil men, nailed him to that cross, hung him on that cross. And in Matthew 17, 22, Jesus warned his disciples. He said to them, 
He said, the Son of Man will fall into the hands of sinners. And in Matthew 26, 45, Jesus said to them, He said, He is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Those hands that flogged the Son of God, those hands that hammered the nail through His flesh into the wood, those hands that crowned Him with thorns, and for 12 hours literally has been in the hands of men. And the worst that the hands of men could do have done. Oh, but now, now, He is now to be deposited into the hands of the Father. The greatest hands of all. What does it mean? What does it mean to be deposited in the hands of the Father? Listen carefully. It means that he's about to go into paradise where all of the Old Testament saints and believers were there waiting. They looked by faith and waited. Abraham looked 2,000 years ahead of time, and by faith he saw the city is not built with hand. That's why Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. And all of the descendants of a faithful descendants, those who were faithful Jews, who have looked forward to that cross, who have looked forward to the Messiah coming and dying on that cross, they were all in the paradise waiting for Jesus to die on that cross and shed His blood. And then He took all those saints into heaven with him, and there he declared his lordship. Being in the hands of his father means that on the third day he rose again from the grave with a glorified body. To be in the hands of the father meant that for 40 days he's going to walk with them, he's going to talk with them, he's going to instruct them, he's going to commission them, he's going to send them out. Being in the hands of the Father meant that in that 40th day, they're going to be seeing Him on the Mount of Olive rising up into heaven and see the angel saying to them that same Jesus is going to come back because that's what it means to be in the hand of the Father, that He will come again to judge every human being that has ever lived because never, never again He will be in our hands, but we will be in His hands. Let me ask you a question. Please answer it honestly to yourself. You don't have to answer it to anybody else. It's to yourself. And the question is this. Do you deposit your all in the hands of the Father? Or will you deposit some in His hands and the rest is in your hands? You have to answer that question. It is between you and God. Do you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I deposit my business into your hands? Or do you say, I deposit that problem that I'm facing into your hands, but I will do the rest? Do you say, Father, I deposit my family into your hands? Or is it only when there's a crisis in the family? Do you say, Father, I deposit my life into your hand, or is it only when you need healing? Do you get up in the morning and say, Father, I deposit my future into your hands? Do you get up and daily say to Him, 
Lord, give me your plan so that I may obey it. Or do you do like how most Christians do and say, God, here's my plan. Here's my strategy. Bless it. No wonder we're not seeing a revival. And unless and until we learn to surrender and know what it means to say, Father, I deposit everything in your hands. Not just when I need you, not when I'm desperate, not when I'm everything in your hands. A woman once went to see her pastor, and he's been her pastor for 25 years. And she said to him, I'm terrified. I live in fear all the time. I live in terror all the time. He said, what for? What of? He said, I'm afraid. She said, I'm afraid that I'm going to fall. I live a fear of falling. We talk about spiritual speaking, not, not physically. And her pastor wisely said, looked at her and he said, you know, go ahead and fall. She said, what? Do you really mean this? He said, yeah, go ahead and fall. He said, because when the Bible said that the everlasting arms are underneath. And when you fall, you're not going to fall through his hands, but into his hands. Beloved, listen to me. When Jesus said, those whom the Father has given me, I will lose none, meaning that you'll never fall through the hands of God. You're going to fall into his hands. There are a lot of people living in fear, and we know that's of Satan. They're afraid to fall. No, no, no. You see, when you're confident, when you deposit your all in His hand, you're going to live in confidence. You're not going to live in fear. Because He's going to give you the strength to overcome temptation. When you deposit your all, He takes it. He blesses it. God is not only working behind the scenes. He also has the power to move the scenes which He's behind. Can I get a witness? Father, into your hands, I deposit my spirit. There may be someone here today who's looking, inquiring, searching, and never came to that point of saying, Father, into your hand, I surrender, I repent, I turn to you, forgive me. Well, you can do that today. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.